On today's show, it's all about the Subway Series. I'm going to talk about a few Subway Series games I attended back when the Subway Series was still fun and not played out like it is now. We'll be going all the way back to 1998 at Shea through to the last Subway Series game I attended in person 10 years ago. And there'll be a few stops along the way on the four and seven trains in between. So get ready for an all new Locked on Yankees next. You are Locked on Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. It's Tuesday, July 26th. Welcome to Locked On Yankees. I'm your host, Stacey Gotsoulias. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. It's free and available on every podcasting platform. And you can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Also hit the like button and the bell so you're notified as soon as our videos go live. So this is going to be like a throwback Tuesday if you will, because Abby and I did a Subway Series preview yesterday. We did it earlier than normal. And I figured I've been to so many Subway Series games that why not talk about some of them? Obviously, they'll be fun. (laughs) And uh, for me, as a Yankee fan, I'm not going to talk about any losses. But truth be told, I have to say most of the Subway Series games that I attended, the Yankees won. It was rare for me to see the Yankees lose a Subway Series game, which worked out well for me. Maybe not so many of the Mets fans that um, were sitting at Yankee Stadium. Now, as I said in the open, the first Subway Series I ever went to was in 1998 at Shea Stadium. This was the year before we had season tickets, and I went with my brother and my father, and we were sitting behind the... Yankee dugout. And if you remember how Shea Stadium was, the seats weren't very steep, obviously, on the lower level. And we had a great view of home plate from our seats, except when vendors were going up and down the aisles, which was every minute. So I had to sit forward in order to see home plate from my seat. The problem with this is, this was 1998. I wasn't yet 24 years old. I still liked to wear shorts back then. I don't do that anymore. And I didn't put sunscreen on my thighs. So you you can imagine what happened. Just imagine in your head, I'm leaning forward the whole game, resting my forearms on my thighs with no sunscreen. Yes, I had stripes on my thighs for pretty much the whole summer. Couldn't get them to even out. I mean, you know, yes, I'm 75% Italian and Greek, but no, I don't tan, I burn. So that's what happened. So the game was June 27th, 1998. It was a Saturday. Andy Pettit was starting for the Yankees. Now, I've spoken about this many times on the show. Andy Pettit is the pitcher that I've seen the most in person. And when I was looking this game up, I said, of course, it's Pettit. It's always Pettit. (laughs) Playoffs, regular season, always Andy Pettit. One year, I only saw Andy Pettit pitch in the playoffs in 03 because he pitched every game too, and I went to every game too. It just happened that way. And I saw him pitch 
at least twice in 09. So yeah, yeah, it was Andy Pettit. <laughs> so as I said, Shea Stadium start time was 125. The attendance 53,587. And Pettit started for the Yankees, Bobby Jones for the Mets. Fun times. Let's go through the lineups because you know I love doing this. Now, I don't really remember remember much about this game. I do remember that the Yankees won it, and I remember I got really bad sunburn. I also remember that I was in my red hat Yankee phase. I know. I know. All the traditionalists are going to be upset about me wearing a, a red Yankee hat. But, you know, I was into all that music back then in 1998. Mo Money, more pro- Mo, wait, Mo Money, Mo Problems, Diddy, all that stuff. Although he wasn't Diddy back then, right? I think he was still Puff Daddy. So red is my favorite color. I wore a red Yankee hat with a red tank top, khaki shorts. I was all, and because we weren't that far away from the Yankee dugout, I made eye contact with Derek Jeter and he gave me a head nod because I was waving at him. It was the best day of my life up to that point because honestly, Derek Jeter was my guy back in 1998. So I was thrilled with that. Yeah. So those are the things I remember from the game because, I mean, you know, to give myself a break here, that was 24 years ago. Lineup, Knobloch, Jeter, O'Neill, Strawberry, Martinez, Posada, as my dad would say, Curtis, Chad Curtis, Scott Brocious, Andy Pettit. And then for the Mets, Alfonso, Bernard Gilkey. Wow. Okay. Wow. Olerud. No, Piazza Olerud. Butch Husky, Bayerga, McRae, Ordonez, Bobby Jones. Bernard Gilkey. That is a flashback from, wow. It's so funny when you hear some of these names and you, you, you're taken back to that time. You're like, oh, right, that person existed. The start time weather, 81 degrees. It was. It was very nice that day, um, as my thighs will tell you from the sunburn that I got. So Pettit ended up pitching six and one-third innings, gave up two runs on four hits. He walked four, but he struck out nine. He threw 127 pitches. (laughs) That's unheard of these days. Mike Buddy came in, pitched a third of an inning. Mike Stanton came in, pitched two and one-third innings. He threw 28 pitches, Buddy only threw eight. Now Bobby Jones, six and two-third innings, gave up... Seven runs, but three of them were earned. Six hits, three walks, one strikeout, and a home run. Now, who hit the home run? Why don't I remember? Oh, Tino, that's right. Okay. I kind of do remember that, yes. So, as I said, 53,587. Now, the um, capacity, that's the word, at both stadiums were higher at the old places than they are at the new places. So you routinely had games where it was over 50,000 people, closer to 55,000 people. Sometimes at the old stadium, it was more like 57,000 people at these Subway Series games. Um, The Yankees ended up winning this one. We're not going to go through all the um, play-by-play because there's too many things for me to talk about today. But they won 7-2, and they scored three runs in the fourth inning, four runs in the seventh inning. The Mets scored a run in the second and the seventh to cut it. To 7-2. Now, this was not a very crisp game by either team. The Yankees had three errors, and the Mets had two. So, it was not pretty. But the Yankees were 55-19 and 19 at this point in 1998. The Mets were 42-34. and 34. Now, the next game that we're going to talk about, June 29th, 2003. Now, the reason I want to talk about this game is because 
It was at Yankee Stadium. It was part of my ticket plan. We had Sunday tickets. We always had the Sunday Mets games, most of the Red Sox ESPN games, and, you know, most of the Sunday Mets games were also ESPN games. So I was always out late watching the Yankees and the Mets. The other reason I wanted to bring this up, my friend from Japan was visiting. He wanted to see Hideki Matsui. He also wanted to go to Yankee Stadium for the first time because he had been to the West Coast plenty of times, had been to San Francisco, had been to Oakland, had been to L.A. and Anaheim. He had, Oh, and Seattle, too. So I, he pretty much went up and down the coast but never went to Yankee Stadium before then. And one of my favorite things to do when I had season tickets was to bring people for their first time, whether it was a young kid or, in my friend's case, a 29-year-old from Japan. And seeing... His reaction to walking out of the tunnel and seeing Yankee Stadium in person was one of the best experiences of my life to this day. It's nearly 20 years later and just seeing the look of wonder on his face and just, you know, awe. Like he's, he was literally looking around like, I can't believe I'm here and I'm in person. And it took me back to the first time when I saw Yankee Stadium and had the same exact feeling. And... I recommend to anyone who has season tickets or just likes going to baseball games, no matter who you're a fan of, if you have the opportunity to bring someone to their first baseball game, do it. It's such a great experience. So in a moment, we'll go through this game because it was funny. Uh, and I'll tell you, you're, you're going to laugh and you're not going to believe me, but I, I swear it actually happened. So we're going to talk about this game next. But first, whether you're ready to pop the question, or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Their bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring, and each ring is one of a kind. Whether you're customizing an engagement ring or designing diamond stud earrings, online jeweler Blue Nile will allow you to create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine at a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler. If it's not perfect, no problem. There's a 100% satisfaction guarantee, so you can shop stress-free with guaranteed free shipping and returns. And if you need that special purchase fast, in most cases, Blue Nile can deliver overnight, and every order is insured and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. So make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Pretty cool. So again, shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Okay, let's go back. June 29th, 2003, Sunday night, ESPN game, 8.05 start. Attendance, 55,444. Yeah. Starting pitcher for the Mets, Al Leiter. Starting pitcher for the Yankees, Jeff Weaver. Now, before the game started, we were waiting for people to meet us at the game. And Shiro and I were standing on the corner of 160, 161st and River. And I said to him, Jeff Weaver's going to give up three runs in the first inning, but the Yankees are still going to win the game. And I said, and you're also going to see Hideki Matsui hit a home run for you. He will do that for you tonight. And Shiro just nodded his head. Okay. First inning. 
Ah, I love this. Roger Cedeno hits a single. Timo Perez hits a sacrifice bunt. Cedeno goes to second base. Alomar walks. Cliff Floyd hits a pop fly to second. Jeremy Burnitz hits a home run. A three-run home run. Mets are up 3-0. Shiro turns to me and just gives me a look like, um, okay. I said, I told you. Watch what happens. And then Ty Wigington strikes out swinging. Things are quiet. Till the bottom of the third. (laughs) Enrique Wilson hits a pop fly to second. Alfonso Soriano walks. Derek Jeter hits a single. Jason Giambi hits a home run. Raul Mondesi. Remember when he played with the Yankees? Yes, 2003. Hits a fly ball. Out to right field. Hideki Matsui hits a solo shot. Shiro turns to me and says, you're scary. I said, thank you, I know. And then Posada goes back to back with Matsui. Yankees are up 5-3. That's how the game ends. Don't ask me how I knew. I should have, I should have probably played the lotto numbers or something, but I don't know why. I just had this feeling. I'm like, you know, Jeff Weaver is not that great. So he'll probably give up three runs in the first and then the Yankees will score. It'll be fine. That's exactly how it worked out. (laughs) And Shiro was terrified of me for a while after that. Shiro was a college friend. He was an exchange student in Oswego. He lived next door to us. And we've stayed in touch ever since. I actually spoke to him late last year. So yeah, we're still in touch all these years later. And he had a great time at his first Yankee game. Again, I recommend if you have people who have never been to a baseball game, even if they're little kids, just do it. It's such a fun experience. Like the whole game, he was just looking around at Yankee Stadium and looking at all the people and just like, wow, like soaking it all in. And it was a lot of fun for me to have him do that. Now the next game, I love talking about this game, too, because it's really funny. June 26th, 2005, another Sunday night game, another ESPN game at Yankee Stadium. This time the attendance was 55,327. And, oh, I didn't go through the lineup in the last game. I apologize. We'll do it for this game. But Chris Benson started for the Mets and Randy Johnson started for the Yankees. So that'll tell you how the game went. Um, Here's the Mets lineup. Reyes, Mike Cameron, Beltran. Piazza, Cliff Floyd, Wright, Chris Woodward, Ramon Castro, Marlon Anderson. As I said, Chris Benson was the starter. And then for the Yankees, Jeter, Womack, Sheffield, A-Rod, Matsui, Giambi, Cano, Flaherty, because he was Randy Johnson's personal catcher, Kevin Reese in left field. Fun times, those 2005 Yankees. Chris Benson... Pitched six innings, only gave up two runs, one of them earned on three hits, five walks, three strikeouts. No one gave up a home run. No pitcher gave up a home run the entire night for the Yankees or the Mets. Now, Johnson went six and two-third, gave up one earned run, four runs total on six hits. He threw 100 12 pitches. Benson threw 98. Not totally sloppy because the Mets only had one error and the Yankees had two. But still, not as sloppy as the other game, but not great. Now, this game was funny because I was living in the city at the time. I was meeting my father, my best friend, and my brother. 
Now, if I recall correctly, it was kind of warm that night. Not oppressively warm, but you know, late June is summer and it gets kind of warm in late June. Yeah, all right, it was around 76 at game time. So I wore a tank top and khakis and my best friend wore a tank top and jean shorts. This was 2005. I was 30 years old. My dad yelled at me and my best friend for wearing tank tops. Yes. I almost laughed because I was living on my own in the city. I had been living on my own in the city for a while at that point, working a job, doing my own thing, 30 years old, and Gus was yelling at me because he thought I was showing off too much. I wasn't. I wasn't even showing, like my tank top was hot. It wasn't, it wasn't anything, but I just giggled because I thought it was so funny that he was being protective of the, he yelled at both of us. And the funnier thing is my best friend or ex-best friend at this point and I have the same birthday. So we're the same exact age. And he was yelling at the both of us for dressing that way. And my brother was just standing there like, oh God. So I was afraid that the vibe of the game was going to be off because my dad was yelling at us, but it wasn't. It almost was <laughs> because the Yankees had to come back and walk off that game. And this was, as I said, late June of 2005. And this was when Jason Giambi was still slightly struggling. He did have that walk off against the Pirates on June 15th, but he was still working his way up to getting to the point where he would hit a lot of home runs and contribute. Look up his July 2005. It was insane. I think he hit a home run at every game I went to in July of 2005. Some In some games, he hit two. Yeah, he had an insane July of 2005. So the Yankees are down 4-3 going into the bottom of the ninth. Braden Looper comes into the game. Remember him? Tino Martinez pinch hits for Russ Johnson. All these names are so funny. He walks. A-Rod hits a double. Tino makes it to third. Because, you know, you can't expect Tino to go from first to home because Tino ran like he had a full diaper. You know I'm right. They intentionally walk Hideki Matsui to get to Jason Giambi. And Jason Giambi hits a walk-off two-run single. And Jason Giambi was my boy in 2005. I was very protective of him. And I was so excited that I saw him walk off against the Mets. It made being yelled at by my dad totally worth it. Got to celebrate the Yankees walking off against the Mets. That was always fun during the uh, Subway Series. In a moment, we're going to talk about the last Subway Series game I attended in person 10 years ago. It was a fun one. And it was one that I kind of predicted, in a way. I'll tell you how. But first, welcome to the world of sports cards reimagined. The sports card investor app is the hobby's most powerful resource. Quickly check the value of your favorite cards, find great deals, and profit from the hobby you love. Available completely free in the Google Play and Apple app stores, the Sports Card Investor app is a must-have for baseball fans. You can easily browse over 630,000 cards from every sport, with hundreds more added each week, plus Marvel cards. You can check the latest values of your favorite cards with 7-day or 30-day charts. You can also find the best prices and buy directly through the app with our eBay Deals feature. 
With the free Sports Investor app, you can pull out all those old cards of your favorite childhood players to see how much they're worth today. For some of you, that means Derek Jeter. For me, it's Don Mattingly. So download the Sports Card Investor app today. It's available for free in the Google Play or Apple App Stores, or go to sportscardinvestor.com slash locked on. Okay, the final game that I attended of a Subway series. June 10th. 2012. It's a day game, so it wasn't an ESPN game. And I was so happy about that because, as I said, always stuck at ESPN games. When I lived in the city, it was easier for me to get home from ESPN games. But, you know, living in Rockland, it's a pain in the butt. So it was a 109 start, 49,010 people at new Yankee Stadium for the game. John Neese started for the Mets. Andy Pettit for the Yankees. <laughs> what? Why don't I remember that? He oh, wait. No, I do remember that he started that. Because it was before he got his leg broken by Casey Kochman. It was a couple weeks later when that happened, right? It was the end of June. Okay, I do remember this. That's right. When I tell you that Andy Pettit is the pitcher that I've seen the most in person, I'm not lying. And I need to figure out. Because I didn't keep every ticket stub from every game that I've ever attended. I know people do that, and I wish I had. I don't know why I didn't, but I didn't. Um, because if I had, I could figure that out and figure out the exact number of times I've seen Andy Pettit pitch, because it's a lot. It's a lot. All right. Lineups. Andres Torres, Jason Bay, David Wright, Scott Hairston, Lucas Duda. Duda, Duda. My dad used to say that. Vinny Rotino, Omar Quintanilla, Mike Nickius, Jordani Valdespin, and as I said, Nice was your starter. For the Yankees, Jeter, Granderson, Teixeira, A-Rod, Cano, Swisher, Andrew Jones, Russell Martin, Jason Nix. Okay, Nice pitched seven innings, gave up two runs, none of them were earned. <laughs> he threw 100 pitches on the nose. Bobby Parnell blew a save. Tim Burdak came in, and John Rausch. He's the key to this. Pettit pitched six innings, gave up three runs on five hits, two of them earned. He threw 95 pitches. Clay Rapata, Corey Wade, Rafael Soriano, who also blew a save, and Boone Logan. Yeah, Soriano pitched a third of an inning, gave up a run on three hits. I remember watching that in person and being like, are you kidding me right now, sir? Now, the funny thing about this is earlier in the game, before the exciting ninth inning, in the bottom of the seventh, the Mets were up 3-0. Cano hit a single. Swisher erased him off the bases by hitting into a, gr a ground ball double play. Andrew Jones reached on an E5. Russell Martin hit a home run to pull the Yankees to within a run. So it was 3-2 at that point. Corey Wade comes in the top of the eighth, pitches a clean inning. Bottom of the eighth, Tex hits a single that scores Jeter. A-Rod follows up with a single of his own. Granderson scores. Oh, that's right. That was a pop fly between, between second and first. Granderson scored on that. And the Yankees went ahead 4-3. Top of the ninth. That's right. I remember this. He gave up back-to-back -back doubles. 
Lucas Duda hits a double. Ike Davis hits a double. Mets tie the score. Soriano is able to get, or able to finish the inning without giving up any more runs, so it's 4-4. I'm standing with my friend Dave. I say to him, because at the time I was writing a blog, and I used to do the recaps for the Yankees, and John Roush came in, and if you recall, if you're not watching on YouTube, I'm holding my neck. He had a giant neck tattoo, and I thought it was gaudy and weird. I don't know. At the time, I was like, what is that on his neck? And I said to my friend Dave, I said, oh, if Russell Martin hits a walk-off home run against Roush, I can make my recap Martin tattoos one off Roush to win or something like that. What happened? <laughs> now, it was a six-pitch at-bat, and it was during the at-bat. I was like, oh, if he hits a home run, I have the perfect title for my recap. Sixth pitch, Russell Martin hits his second home run of the day. The Yankees win 5-4, <laughs> and he hit it right down the left field line. I was sitting um, behind the plate, but next to the plate, so I had a full, you know, view down the left field line. And I was like, yes, I can go home and use my stupid title. And I did for the recap. So thank you to Russell Martin for that. I should thank him. We're friends on Facebook still. I don't know how or why, but we are. So those are some Subway Series stories. And as I said on the show yesterday, and I've said many times, I feel like we need a break from the Subway Series. It's not fun anymore. <laughs> Maybe it'll, well, it's fun for people this year because the Mets and the Yankees are doing so well. And it's the first time they're ever meeting in the Subway Series when they're both in first place. Ooh, I don't know. I'm just not looking forward to it. I'm not. Oh, Giancarlo Stanton's on the IL. He has Achilles tendonitis. So all that stuff about, oh, he just needed a rest. He'll be back. Mm -mm. So it's retroactive to the 24th. Just so you know, that came out just before I started recording. That's a big blow. Tim Locastro called up in his place. But hey, I mean, Tim Locastro hit a 410-foot home run last week, and he can run like the wind. So that could be fun, watching him on the bases at some point in this series. Why not? So... Tomorrow's show will be a recap of whatever happens tonight, and we might go through some crazy trade scenarios because we're getting to that point now where trade scenarios are being thrown out. And, you know, it's always fun to talk about possible trades because it doesn't matter if you're wrong. Most people are wrong when it comes to trade proposals and, you know, teams usually surprise you when the trade deadline happens. Hopefully the Yankees will surprise us in a good way. So that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to remind you that you can listen to this show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, like and comment on YouTube as well, and click the bell notification so you know when our videos go up. And if you're looking for something else to listen to after you listen to us, why not listen to Locked On MLB? Now make your second listen of the day the Locked On MLB podcast. 
MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate our podcast and spread the word about our podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We would really appreciate it. So enjoy your Tuesday, and I will talk to you all tomorrow. Thank you.